2: season roundtable today on the College Football Daily. It is Wednesday, October 20th. My name is Trey Scott. In just a second, I'm going to throw it to Josh Pate. He's joined by Bud Elliott, Blake Brockermeyer, Brandon Marcello, and Chris Hummer on that aforementioned midseason season roundtable. They're running through the biggest surprises so far, the biggest disappointments. They're diving into playoff talk. Heisman Talk, and much more. It's going to be a long episode. If you feel like watching it instead, make sure to check out the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. And while you're there, definitely subscribe. We also have a ton of really good content today on 24-7 Sports dropping mid-morning. A big update to our 2022 football recruiting rankings. What are we doing without Quinn Ewers at number one? We're about to we're about to tell you. And then we've got a mid-season true freshman All-American list from Cooper Patagna. Really good stuff there, too. Can you believe that Caleb Williams has started one game and has played in, like six quarters and he's the quarterback and he's also sixth best in the Heisman odds. Unreal. That's 2021 college football for you. Anyway, I'm going to throw it to Josh and the gang to run through the first half of the season and look ahead to the second.
3: What's up guys? Josh paint here with an esteemed 24 seven sports round table. We have got in no particular order, but starting with Chris Hummer, cause I forgot him two times ago. Chris Hummer is here. Bud Elliott is here. Blake Brockermeyer is here. Brendan Marcello is here. And we're at the midpoint of the season, guys. We did this at the beginning of the season. Not much has changed if we're being real, except for everything. And so we kind of decided we need to reconvene here. It's nice. It's early in the week. And we need to sort of figure out how things are going right now and how things are going to go. And I really want it to be free-flowing. And it, there's going to be a lot of audience participation, I can guarantee you, in the comment section when we post this. So let's just do this, because this is what a lot of people are talking about right now. Uh, we'll start on a positive note. And I'll start with you, Bud, and let's just kind of go around any way we want to. The most surprising thing, whether it be a team or a player, just what has surprised you the most in maybe a positive way so far this year?
0: Sure. Well, for a positive way, let's go ahead and start with successive uh, with Mel Tucker there at Michigan State. Uh, I, I was fairly high on this Michigan State team, but guys, I did not see them being 7-0 and at this point in the season. They've done a really good job with the transfer portal. Uh, they seem to have much better quarterback play than they have in the past. They're creating some explosive plays on offense. They've been fairly opportunistic on, on defense and on special teams. Thanks, to Nebraska, for having terrible special teams there. Uh, but keeping it positive, really nice job by, by, by Mel Tucker. Their, their season win total was 4.5, and, and I thought they could probably threaten the bowl. I did not think they would be 7-0 and o this year. So big things happening so far in East Lansing. You can argue they've been a little bit lucky at times, but, hey, they've been lucky and good.
3: Yeah, we're also we're also looking at a situation now that people, I know, in the upper Midwest have kind of been peeping that with one eye for a while. But now it's almost here. I mean, if Michigan gets past Northwestern this week, we've got undefeated Michigan State, undefeated Michigan. And it's on the same day as Penn State, Ohio State, which, of course, everyone in that part of the country and the country in general circles at the beginning of the year. But I mean, like Brandon Marcello, we were talking this morning on our editorial meeting, which was like 10 minutes ago, real time about how that could actually end up being the Big Ten's moment this year.
4: Yeah, I think so, because that, that's a game, If it's very competitive, and it's very clear-cut, like, wow, those are two really great teams, and the winner is a legit playoff contender. That changes things, because Ohio State right now is easily the number one team in the Big Ten. They look like they're destined for the playoff, but if we can get a contender against them of some sort, at least in the eye of, of the nation now, the Big Ten, all of a sudden, uh, boy, uh, thanks to... Start taking a different uh, tone there and you know you mentioned michigan michigan state top 10 matchup between the two teams so many great games between the two but it's been a very long time like half a century since both teams were in the top 10 when they met for the paul bonian trophy so that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch
3: like you've had a lot of teams broken down both on the good side and the bad side what is the thing that has stood out to you the most in more a glowing positive sort of way
1: well, I would say, you know, kind of like we talked about, I mean, the, the teams that have really surprised me, Oklahoma State is one that's really surprised me. I mean, I, I think, you know, they're 6-0, they've got a really good defense, uh, their offense. Uh, has done just enough each week to get by and, and get a win. Uh, they've got a pretty good special teams unit as well. I mean that's been a unit that, that that or a team that's really surprised me this year. You know both Michigan and Michigan State have both surprised me this year. Wake Forest has been a, a really surprising team. Uh, The meat of their schedule is coming up right about now, so uh, you know it'll be interesting to see. And then, you know, you got to give a shout out to Pitt as well for having a a a very good season so far, and they they kind of control their destiny too. And then. You know the the team that could really spoil a lot of this for 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 uh, Cincinnati is SMU. I mean, they got SMU late in the season and they're six and zero, uh, and they have a chance. You know, that they, they will definitely give Cincinnati all all that they want. So there's there's about six teams that have been really big surprises to me, uh, and uh, you know, all those teams have done an incredible job. But there's lots of chaos ahead. I think.
5: Yeah. Speaking of. Group, the group of five in Cincinnati. I want to focus on Cincinnati for a second. I am a chaos person when it comes to the college football playoff. That's what I want. That's what I enjoy. And this season is set up perfectly for Cincinnati to maybe have a chance down the line of the college football playoff. Not only did Cincinnati take care of business in a pleasantly surprising way, if you're rooting for that sort of thing, they beat Indiana by uh, two possessions. They beat Notre Dame by two possessions. But the kind of national chaos around them is happening in a way where Cincinnati is positioned to run the table and potentially challenge for a college football playoff berth in a way we haven't seen before. And I'm sure some people would take that as a negative surprise. Nobody wants to see the group of five team, the trendy upstart in the playoff. But I'm here for it. And uh, real quick, just want to give a shout out to Jeff Trailer and UTSA. Meet Meep is 7-0, and, 0, and uh, that program could finish 12-0 with the schedule it has. So UTSA has been a great surprise as well.
3: Let's take that spectrum. Let's totally flip it on its ear from the side of the G5 to the side of the established like rock rib power five section of the conversation. Obviously, no one's going to heap praise on the University of Georgia for being a big surprise, but yet they're the number one team in the country right now. And it's funny how perception in the preseason doesn't always match up with reality in the season. For example... We all knew, everyone and their mother knew, if Georgia beats Clemson, the rest of their schedule is going to be wood chipper mode. They're going to walk through it, won't matter really if they're missing guys due to injury, yada, yada, yada. And all that's happened is what everyone expected to happen. And yet you've got people right now who are convinced that there is a massive gap between Georgia and the rest of the field. I'm certainly not reigning on Georgia's number one parade I just think maybe the perception, we're going to talk about playoff later. When we get down the line a little ways, maybe the SEC Championship Saturday or even a college football playoff matchup, there are just some dynamics that Georgia will face eventually that they haven't faced yet. And I'm just kind of fascinated by that whole gap in one versus the field when we look at the teams one has played, again, no slide on them, versus the teams that one will play. Now, on the other side of this, of course, we have to talk about the most disappointing teams, I'm going to kick it off, and then I'm going to kick it to you guys, because my most disappointing team coincides with my most surprising upset, and that was just this past weekend, when Florida, to me inexplicably, dropped another game as a double-digit favorite to, again, a vastly outmanned LSU team, which was so bad for Dan Mullen that they beat LSU and LSU ended up getting rid of the coach anyway. Like that's the kind of thing they talk about 10 or 15 years from now. There are some underlying issues there defensively recruiting. And it's not like these are brand new, but it gets to the point now, I think when we start to look down the road and we start to talk about hot seat, which I don't love doing a lot. And I'm not saying Dan Mullen's there, but at the very least, when we start talking about that, some fundamental changes have to be made there. I think they will, but I think some fundamental changes have to be made there either on the defensive staff and, or on the recruiting staff. Hopefully, Those two moves coincide, but man, I can't get past where Florida is right now.
4: Yeah, Dan Mullen, I mean, that guy, he just plays with fire everywhere he goes. And he's very, uh, I hate to use the word, but he's very arrogant about it. He's defiant about it when he's asked about it by fans and even the media. It's all like, yeah, what do you know? This is what I do, and this is what's always worked for me. And we're talking about, right now, the quarterback situation with Emory Jones. I mean, you keep trotting him out there when it's obvious. Anthony Richardson is giving you a different dynamic out there, and you keep saying, well, he doesn't know the incomplete offense offense well isn't it on you as a coach to shrink things down and make it competent enough to where he can be successful out there instead of putting emory jones out there to throw interceptions left and right and put your offense in bad situations and obviously your defense which is starting to really gasp for air under todd grantham because you're giving them so much time on the field dan mullen has made some really really wild decisions and really a lot of indecision this year that isn't necessarily surprising to me because i've seen him up close i've covered him up close formerly as a mississippi state beat writer but you can't do that on the the big stage of Florida week after week after week. And the number one, the other thing with that right now is that you can't pin him on any one thing week to week. One week it's obviously the quarterback situation. They lose a the Kentucky game because of a lot of penalties. Your offensive line's not playing well in this game. Your defense is playing great, but then all of a sudden they're not playing great in this week. So every week it's a different issue. That's to me is coaching. That is a lot of inconsistencies across the board. There's not a lot of discipline on this pro in this program right now, and it's leading to multitude of issues. And I think in that LSU game, all that came together and it fell under its own weight. Dan Mullen has a huge issue right now. Now And that huge issue is that he has a lot of issues stemming from a lack of discipline.
0: So if if you're going to keep a staff like Dan Mullen has, which is a good but not great recruiting staff relative to the resources that you have at Florida, you know, we see Georgia beat them in recruiting consistently. We see Alabama beat them in recruiting consistently. And LSU too. You better have a really, really well-coached football team. And I do think Dan Mullen's still a really good football coach. I think his track record suggests that he's not having best, a great year. Best offensive
4: year. coach, best offensive coach in the in the country, in my opinion. I, but he I don't. He does care. have a history
0: yes. of playing these senior quarterbacks over the more talented guys. Look back to he he played Tyler Russell way too long at Mississippi State when he had Dak. His mentor also at Ohio State, Urban Meyer, played J.T. Barrett when it was like pretty obvious that he was kind of maxed out. Over both Haskins and Joe Burrow. So it's not, you know, out of character for guys in that system. But I think you'll see Richardson be the starter there going forward. Sticking with disappointments, how about just the entire state of Florida? Right. Miami uh, opens preseason where were they top 10-ish? Now they lost Derek King. They lost some other important guys. You know, they they're kind of probably what, 50-50 to make a bowl. Right now, Florida State's had a nice couple of weeks, but they lost to Jacksonville State due to some horrendous coaching there, especially in the fourth quarter. FIU and FAU haven't been great. I know Gus Malzahn lost his quarterback there at UCF, but they, they lost to Navy. USF is still searching for that first FBS win. And uh, yeah, the whole state of Florida right now, not really uh, doing great. So I'll just take an entire state for my disappointment.
3: <laughs> Fair enough. Chris, biggest disappointment so far for you this year?
5: I think it's twofold. The first, I want to focus on Clemson. Um, I know I know, Clemson's record might not reflect that, but it's really disappointing because Davos Sweeney had an option to reinvigorate his roster he had an option to upgrade his roster via the portal and abo sweeney for better or worse has been the most stubborn coach in the country when it comes to a lot of things including the transfer portal and right now clemson has significant issues along the offensive line clemson can't really run the quarterback like they need to because they don't have depth at at the quarterback position on the roster. They don't really have a lot of options at receiver because they didn't really diversify their options there and they could have easily gone on the portal for that. Dabo Sweeney had the best defense he's had maybe in his Clemson tenure on campus right now. Brent Venables had all the pieces he needed have a really successful team and a really successful system. And we're seeing that manifest. But because of the options they made via the transfer portal, i.e. not going in there and kind of undersigning compared to all the other national contenders out there, Clemson's not having the season we expected. And that's, that's on Davos Sweeney and that's on Clemson for kind of being in that position. The other one I want to briefly focus on is Spencer Rattler. I don't like calling out players and I've been a pretty bad be- big Spencer Rattler defender his entire career and I still think he could be an excellent quarterback whether he goes into the transfer portal this offseason or is in the NFL moving forward but he just was not good this season as the kind of preseason Heisman contender and that's Really disappointing when you think about all the hype we put on Spencer Rattler. Going way back to his uh high school days when he was on QB one, kind of a made a bit of a show of himself there. And then also when he was our number one over recruit, we just didn't see that manifest in the way we expected. So those would be the two I'd focus
4: on. That Clemson He's offense, great. by the way, the worst statistically since Tommy West's final season at Clemson in nineteen ninety eight. They're terrible. <laughs> We need to say the name
3: Tommy West more on this round table, is my opinion. Uh, going back to – I'll hit you in a second, but going back to what Chris was just talking about, this is where the fun slash madness of any kind of preseason prediction model starts to manifest itself because there were a lot of people out there. In fact, I could find a person on every street corner preseason that was picking Oklahoma – to win the Big 12, to win the playoff, to win the whole thing. And part of the argument was because they got Spencer Rattler. Well, Oklahoma, for all we know, could end up winning the whole thing because of a guy not named Spencer Rattler. And mark my words, everyone on every street corner will celebrate and say, I was right. Even though you you were right in your pick, it happened because of reasons no one could have seen coming. But go ahead.
0: I just want to go back to 2019, standing out there at the the Elite 11 camp. I wasn't with 24-7 sports at the time, but the previous year we had Trevor and Justin, right? And and, and JT was in that class. And I remember standing around thinking, man, this crop of quarterbacks, they stink. And it was evident in our rankings too, right? Spencer Rattler was outside the top 10 overall players in the 24-7 sports composite, despite being the number one QB. Here's that 2019 class. This is like one of the reasons why we're lacking good quarterback play at the very top this year. Rattler, Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels, Helensky, Mertz, Howell, who's had a disappointing year, Dylan Morris, Talia Tagabailoa, Tyson Fobicon, Max Duggan, Hank ba- Bachmeyer, Roshan Johnson, Garrett Schrader, McNamara at Michigan, okay, Jacob Zeno, t- uh, Taequann Roberson, Lance Lejean, Joey Yellen, Jacob Conover, Jalen Jones, Dewan Mathis, Peter Parrish, Paul Tyson, KJ Jefferson. I already said some moments. And that's your top 25 quarterbacks for the class of 2019. That is going to go down as probably the worst group of quarterback recruits in the what do you want to call it? Like the, the modern era, the YouTube era. That's why we're lacking good quarterback play. These are your third year players at the position in the sport this year. And as a group, they're terrible.
3: I just love the YouTube era. I love that we're playing football in the YouTube era now.
0: I mean, if you go back 20 years, those recruiting rankings were, were pretty sketch. But like we were having to collect VHS VHS tape at the time; and it was a little bit tougher.
4: I in really like that film era. I really like that 2002 to 2006 QuickTime video player era.
3: Yeah, uh, so. it, it was the best times. It was the best times. Blake, um, people are smiling around here too much. Take us back to Negative Town. Biggest disappointment so far this year.
1: So I've got a list. So I made it, I made eight teams up that I think have been. Uh, very disappointing, in my opinion, based on predictions on what they were supposed to be. Clemson's the the low hanging fruit on the bunch. They're they're the easy ones. They're you know fighting to even play in the ACC championship game. Miami, just like Bud had said, Miami is two and four. But there's no way they're making a bowl game. Looking at their schedule, Duke is the only sure thing they have left on their schedule. So I can't imagine, like, they're very disappointing seeing those guys. North Carolina, I actually thought was going to win the ACC this year. They've been a massive disappointment. They have one guaranteed win against Wofford left on their schedule, and they're four and three right now. Uh, Wisconsin, I thought was going to have a really good year this year and have an easy, easy way to it to, to, to get in the Big Ten championship game. They're three and three. That they will likely be barely bowl eligible by looking at their schedule uh texas a&m has been disappointing to me uh you know going through jimbo fisher's sec media days uh, it made it sound like he had the greatest team in the history of college football and you know obviously they've had some injuries that have affected their season and a a huge win a few weeks ago but they didn't have a very good backup plan and uh they're Pretty much out of any kind of SEC contention, in my opinion. And then USC, are they going to make a bowl game? They're three and three. It's, it's, whether they do or not. Missouri looks very hapless on defense, and I thought that they had a chance to be the number two or three seed in the SEC East this year. Very unlikely that they'll win a bowl game, and they haven't won an SEC game this year, which is amazing. And then Washington, I thought, going into the year was going to be, with just based on their schedule, I thought they had a great chance to get in the Pac-12 championship game. They're two and four right now, probably unlikely to make a bowl game. So those a long list, but those are the eight teams that I have as being very disappointing uh, teams this year.
3: Can we circle back to North Carolina for a second? So North Carolina, it's been kind of a funny occurrence over the past few weeks. If you've listened to Matt Brown, Matt Brown has taken an angle that ironically I've taken in the past, yet I wholeheartedly disagree with him taking the angle. So one of my big pet peeves in the past has been, Preseason ratings. I'm not like most people. I don't mind preseason rankings as long as you're willing to pivot off of them and admit that you were wrong. But what happens most of the time is someone ranks a team very high. That team fails to deliver. And then the person who ranked the team screams at the team for not fulfilling on expectation instead of looking in the mirror. Well, Matt Brown has tried to play that card unsuccessfully, in my opinion, because Matt Brown has looked around after, for example, dropping a game by double digits to Florida State and saying, well, I guess you guys were wrong because you're the one who ranked us very high. Man, they had 21 of 22 coming back from a team that went to the Orange Bowl. They had Sam Howell coming back. There was every reason to rank North Carolina fairly high. No one had them inside the top three or four. But to Blake's point there, you thought they were going to win the ACC. Everyone thought they were going to at least be in the ACC title game. Think about this, guys. If I were to have told you in mid-August – Hey, you like North Carolina? Well, how about I add this cherry on top? By midseason, Clemson's going to be an underdog to Pitt. Now, how do you feel about North Carolina's odds of winning the ACC? And, like, it's been wide open for them. And they haven't even come close to grabbing it. It started with the Virginia Tech loss in week one, which, you know, week one on the road stuff happens. You can excuse it. But it's kind of compounded matters down down the stretch here. I don't... If, if not for Florida, and that already being my argument, I would probably say North Carolina there. Any, anything else anyone wanted to add?
4: Well, hey, well yeah, just real quick, I mean we, we talk about the Pac-12, we always you know pile on the Pac-12, but how disappointing is the ACC where the top three teams going into this season are all just bad? Yeah. Clemson, North Carolina, and Miami. Who saw all three of those teams just absolutely sucking air right now? I mean, we're talking about Wake Forest and Pitt in the ACC right now. What do doing the acc is just a uh, uh, tragic and boy uh i hate to say it, we're about to see some coaching changes not just head coaches uh, elsewhere in the acc but there's going to be some offensive staffs that are going to be getting uh, boxes handed to them to clean out their offices after this season
0: one coaching change i think has to happen if the head coach wants to keep his job washington has got to figure out something to do with john donovan right like like that was something <laughs> that we, we could we saw that coming like, like college ball internet we get stuff wrong we were like wait you finally get a head coaching job, and that's who you pick. That guy's been terrible everywhere he's gone. I mean, Penn State fires him and immediately goes to the Rose Bowl. Like, like literally, the solution
3: is don't, high, don't. That was just, I, it's the reason they lost to Montana. <laughs> there have been some staffs out there in the past where you get an offensive-minded head coach in place, and he says, "I'll just do whatever on defense. Just get me the ball back." Okay. I'm not in love with it, but that's a great approach. Here's what you can't do. You can't say, I don't care what we do on offense. Just put my defense back out on the field like not even not even Kirk Ferentz coaches that way, and that's the only way they actually win games.
0: The best example of this ever was Bob Stoops. When he got to Oklahoma, he said, "I'm going to hire the coordinator who gave me the most hell when I was the DC at Florida, and that was Mike Leach, who was then the Kentucky offensive coordinator." He, that's in Stoops's book. Like he's like, "I as a defensive guy, I want to score a lot of points, and I want to trust my defense to get stops and get the ball back to my offense."
4: And look how quickly he turned OU around when he got there. I don't know a lot of people remember that. I mean, they came in barely made a bowl game when he got there after. Just just a complete uh, washout, you know, that led to the coaching change. And then year two, they're back to being the elite team in the country and the Midwest.
5: Yeah, and we just saw Ed Orgeron get dismissed, but he turned his program around with the right OC hire. And it's not always easy to do. Ed Orgeron missed, like, I think, 17 times before he found Joe Brady, (laughs) but he got that guy. I did want to point out with Washington and Jimmy Lake, not only are they not moving the ball offensively, Jimmy Lake was hired in part because of his his dynamic ability as a recruiter. And Washington currently sits 53rd nationally in the 2022 class rankings. That's not good enough. And last year probably wouldn't have been good either if you didn't get the nephew of an all-time great Washington quarterback to come on campus as a five-star QB. So Jimmy Lake's problems go beyond offense.
3: All right, so a lot of things were not glowing out there. Um, let's talk about some best games we've seen. I will tell you unequivocally the best regular season game this year, or any game I've ever seen in person, was last week. Actually, a couple weeks ago, I guess. No, OU Texas. Just for a standalone event, not playoff implications or anything else, just that Saturday afternoon, that was as good as I've ever seen in person. I've still got a mild sunburn from it, but that's a memory that'll last a lifetime. Now, what I don't like is if Texas falters down the stretch, people will look back on that game and say, oh, it didn't matter. Not understanding the ramifications and fallout from that game probably are disproportionately impacting Texas now and moving forward. So, like, I mean, if if Oklahoma doesn't score to win the game, like am I supposed to believe Texas would have looked the exact same way yesterday they did, or Saturday, rather, that they did? I don't think so. But in any event, I don't care how the rest of the season plays out. On that Saturday in the Cotton Bowl, first time ever there for me, by the way, that was as good as I've seen on TV or in person this year. Uh, Best game you've seen so far this year.
0: Obviously, these teams have both taken losses since then, but I'm going to go back to the Swamp. Alabama, Florida really had it all, right? You had like explosive plays. You also had a ton of drama with with a lot of those plays, you know, happening down on the goal line. You had really good offense. You had really good defense. You had an underdog making make a comeback. Crowd was absolutely jacked. Comes down to a two point conversion at, at the end to potentially send it into overtime. Obviously those teams aren't quite as good now as we thought they were at the time, I guess, but that was still a really exciting game.
4: For me for me it's a couple it's a couple of games. I think one of the most recent ones, maybe it's recency bias, but Alabama, Texas, A and M and the way they were going back and forth with Alabama rallying there in the second half. I really really loved watching that. But really the one that just sticks in my heart, sticks in the back of my brain is one that has that's a game of no consequence now and no one really will even care about or talk about two weeks from now or even you know, a week ago, is Fresno State at UCLA and Fresno State going down with an injured quarterback who just taken hit after hit in the hip, could barely walk, leading Fresno State down the field to win it. And him collapsing to the turf and just utter disbelief and also pain uh, is an image that will stick out to me and really define, I think, and encapsulates this entire 2021 season, which is expect anything, chaos is here, and just celebrate while you can. Because Fresno State and UCLA, at the time, it was a hard-hitting almost SEC or Big Ten-like game in the trenches, which no one talks about And when you talk about Pac-12 football, but that was that game. Obviously, both teams are not top 25 worthy right now, but in that moment, at one in the morning watching a game like that was absolutely thrilling, and that and that's the funnest I've had all season so far.
5: Chris summer, best game you've seen so far? I mean, I was there with Josh and Blake we were both there as well. I was at Texas-Oklahoma. That was the best Texas-Oklahoma game I've seen probably in a decade or two, and I've been to a lot of them. Blake's probably been to more than me. But that, that game was excellent. I think we're going to remember that as the game. Caleb Williams emerged as the next college football superstar. That's going to carry consequence for Oklahoma and for Texas for years to come. I think if Texas had won that game with so many big recruits in attendance, that would have been a momentum swing, a change to the early Steve Sarkeesian era, and he has to work to kind of regain that momentum back. I do want to point out it wasn't a great game, but I always will remember this. Iowa versus Penn State. Iowa on third down gets in the victory formation, still has to punt the next down. <laughs> Iowa still has forty seconds left on the clock. Iowa doesn't trust its offense and gets in the victory formation. I will I will never forget that. That was a wonderful moment.
4: And the football gods have punished them since. Yeah.
3: Blake Brockmar so you're going Cotton Bowl, you're going a different direction here for best game you've seen
1: well, so far? y'all have already said all the games I was going to mention. So Texas OU is obviously the, the game that sticks out to me and uh, just a, a crazy, crazy game and crazy atmosphere. But the Alabama-Florida game, to me, was probably the second best game I've seen. Just Florida just – played out of their minds and had a really good good game plan for alabama and uh, alabama struggled this year on the road with noise and just kind of getting all their communication uh, organized so that was uh you know i know that they that they said that that was one of the loudest games i've ever been to in their you know the last 10 years at alabama so uh both of those stand out to me and then the other game that stands out to me that you know Looking back on it now, is wasn't a you know huge implication game, but the opening game of Labor Day, the Notre Dame Florida State game, uh, was it was a classic game and had some great storylines with uh, quarterback from Florida State coming out off the uh, the, the massive. Two year rehabilitation for his knee. So that was a really uh, inspiring story and and a great game to watch and a great atmosphere at Florida State.
3: So let's go individual award here. This is when you really start talking about Heisman a lot more. So before we talk about individuals, I'm going to ask this question. It's a very specifically worded question. I'm not asking you if you think personally it should happen. I want a show of hands. Does anyone think a defensive player actually has a shot of winning the Heisman? No. Okay. Now, Well, let's go second show of hands. Does anyone here think that there is a defensive player out there worthy of winning the Heisman? All right. Blake Brockermeyer. That's uh, content, my friend. That's how this works.
1: Go ahead, my friend. I mean, obviously the the name that sticks out. I mean, Georgia's defensive line has got uh, some creatures on it. Jordan Davis is the guy that that makes it all go. Uh, he eats up space. He, he clears, uh, you know, lets his linebackers roam. He's only got 18 tackles on the year, which is, you know, if you're a stats guy, that's not, you know, that's not great. But Georgia rotates so much on defense, but you know Jalen Carter and uh, uh, Devontae Wyatt, uh, Nolan Smith, and and Jordan Davis. I mean, all those guys are deserving of something. And the whole Georgia defense, obviously, has been amazing all year. But I mean, he's the one guy that I think might get an invite, possibly just because of the impact he he has on on, on every game. I think what Blake does Jordan, does Jordan said there play
5: though? enough snaps to really put himself in position for that. I think. I don't even yeah. think he plays
1: half of Georgia's snaps. Yeah, exactly. Well, no one at Georgia does. I mean, they rotate on their offense is the same way. I mean, if they had one guy or one running back or, or you know, one quarterback that played the whole year, they'd probably be the front runner, but they just don't have the stats to to yeah. to, to really make a case besides their defense.
4: And I with that, like you I talk about half and way. half. we talk about half and half. People are already talking about Caleb Williams maybe in the Heisman discussion, and at most he's going to play half the snaps at quarterback because he's only playing half a season. Yeah, we're talking about him potentially he's played six quarters so let's <laughs> let him play a hey play he's now. already on the heisman trophy yeah. odds chart right now Classic
0: 2019 he, open the door like he, if none of them are going to win it player, somebody's got to win this thing i
1: want to see him play a few more weeks too
3: chris hummer i know you were dying to say something and now there is two minutes of silence i'm giving them to you my friend take it
5: uh, I was just going to say, if we're looking for somebody on Georgia's defense, and I mean, it should be a collective award for the Heisman. I'm fine giving the entire starting 11 the Heisman Trophy this year based on the way they've played. I would think about Nakobe Dean. He's kind of the centerpiece of that defense. Plays Mike, does everything. He's on the field almost every snap as well. I think he's PFF's top-rated linebacker in the country this year. He's been excellent. So if we're going to, if we have to nominate somebody defensively this year, that would be the guy I'd look to. But I really do think we're missing kind of the Chase Young type presence defensively that really factors in this Heisman mix. I think if anything, this is a year where a running back could break through just because we have such subpar quarterback play across the board.
4: Yeah, and right now, I think the only one who could do that is Kenneth Walker. And that's only if Michigan State keeps winning or they finish with one loss. And the other thing is he was just held under 100 yards by Indiana. Is that a sign of some things to come? As defense is really focused On him. I don't know, but Michigan State's got to keep winning. We're just heading down the path here to a boring finish in the Heisman race. It's just going to be Bryce Young because Alabama's going to keep just. Eating people alive, he's going to get big numbers, and everybody's just going to vote for him. I think it's going to be a pretty split vote this year, obviously, but we're just going to go with the best quarterback on the best offense on the best maybe team outside of Georgia at this point, and he'll end up getting it.
5: Well, if you're willing to consider a first half only award, Bijan Robinson would have an excellent chance of uh, kind of cracking.
4: Them. I watched that Arkansas game. What did he do there?
0: Uh, yeah, that's the reason he can't win it because he didn't do a damn thing against Oklahoma State. He in the second half against Oklahoma, he kind of disappeared, and then Arkansas shut him down. Like I wanted to bet. Him, but like his Heisman moment opportunities, he didn't come up big.
4: He's the best running back in the country. Yeah, you look at him. I mean, just his technique and everything he does. But he doesn't have the numbers or just the the otherworldly performance to lift Texas on his shoulders and win games. And and that's not necessarily his fault. I think he's done everything he can. It's just that defense is just terrible down in, in the second half.
5: How do Contribute? we feel about how do we feel about CJ Stroud for Heisman given the that's opportunities I, he has ahead of him?
3: That's who I'll roll with if you if no one else wants to take him, I'll take CJ Stroud.
5: Yeah. I mean, he's got he's got top 10 game against Michigan, top 10 game against Michigan State, top 10 game against Penn State, potentially a top 10 game against Iowa, depending on how things break out east. Like he's got all the opportunities in front of him to make a statement down the stretch. And given that offense, I think he will. He'd kind of be my odds on favor right now.
3: It's going to be really fun to watch, by the way. When we were talking about the defensive stuff, and I think it was Hummer uh, who brought up the name Nakobe Dean. In our world, everyone hears the name and then they think about the recruitment. N'Kobe Dean was out of Mississippi. He had a very high – he fact, very high-profile recruitment, at least down here, if not nationally. Bama thought they had him for a while. He ends up going to Georgia. Bama standout players, Will Anderson, from the state of Georgia, who – Until very late in the process, Georgia never really pursued all that hard. And so you're two standout players on the field. There's so much recruiting subcontext there. But I'll also tell you this, like we're looking right now, as I just brought up the name C.J. Stroud, I saw Matt Corral in person over the weekend. You talk about a guy single handedly carrying a team on his shoulders to a win. The guy nearly had 200 on the ground and through the air. And woof. I mean, Tennessee defensively is its own story. But I don't know if Ole Miss can can continue to win. But if they continue to win, Matt Corral would be a fun little name.
4: Matt Corral is the Steph Curry of college football. He's a volume shooter It took him 68 touches to get 400 and what, 27 yards or whatever against Tennessee. Um, He hasn't had that breakthrough moment, that Heisman moment, that big win, or even a competitive game, which would have been against Alabama. Maybe at some point later this season he can. He will probably be in New York, but he's not going to win it. I mean, a guy like that who runs the ball 30 times against Tennessee, throws it 38 times, and he's going to touch the ball, obviously on every snap, but record stats on 50 of those snaps – until he has a big moment to lead Ole Miss to some like a uh, season changing win, I, I just don't know how you can give him that nod when he's just—he's a good quarterback, he's an above average quarterback, he's a great quarterback, but that system is what's allowing him to put up crazy numbers.
5: I if mean Robert Georgia Griffin Beans, won a Heisman with the kind yeah. of pretty similar resume to that, who and so Robert, yeah, Robert Griffin. Griffin
4: and so did
0: Tebow in 2007 when Florida was a four loss team, right? Like, like if if, if there's a path for Mac Corral to win the Heisman, it's. Georgia beats Alabama again, so Bryce Young is a two-loss QB. Then we're going to go to the stat sheet, and Matt Corral is going to have better stats than Bryce Young, even though Bryce did beat him head to head. Maybe some of the Ohio State receivers siphon off some votes from C.J. Stroud, and, and the Georgia defense thing doesn't catch on, and all of a sudden Corral—he's I mean he's got a 14-to-1 touchdown-interception ratio right now. I don't think he's going to win it. It would probably require Ole Miss going what nine and three or better, which is unlikely. But there's not really a super likely candidate right now, I'd argue. So if he keeps if he keeps putting up crazy stats, and Bryce Young's not sitting there with a one in the loss column. It's not totally outside the, the realm of possibility that he takes it home.
1: I'll kind of buzz through all of them quickly. I think Corral and Bijan mean more to their team than, than any of the other candidates. I think those two guys uh, really carry their team. Uh, Bijan, if you took Bijan away from Texas' offense... Uh, they would be in a lot of trouble. I mean, he is a dynamic playmaker. Corral, I think the same way. He's a a winner. He's improved a lot from last year. He's going to have good numbers. He's a good runner as well. Can they win enough games to get him in? I kind of doubt that. And same with Bijan. Kind of like what uh, Brandon said about Bryce Young, you know, you expect Alabama to win every game until they get to the SEC championship game. He's going to put up good numbers. He's a consistent player. I think, you know, he's going to be in it. And then Kenneth Walker. You know it's, it's full steam ahead for him and, and T.J. Stroud because their season is just now beginning because they've all both of those you know the whole Big Ten really I mean at least the 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 four main teams I mean their whole seasons in front of them so if they ball out and in, in the big games that that's how you win the Heisman in my opinion.
3: All right, let's wrap it up here with college football playoff. Forget about what you said in the preseason. No one remembers it. You can wad it up. You can throw it in the garbage. We're going to start anew here going into week. Eight, I believe we're in now. So let's start with Bud. We'll go Bud, Blake, Chris, Brandon. I'll wrap it up because I care about this the least. College football playoff updated predictions and national champion. All right, uh,
0: I will go Georgia, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, and Ohio State. I have a ten to one ticket on Georgia. It's the only national ch- national title feature I bet this year. But I'm going to actually go with Ohio State. I-, I think their their change in defensive play caller is helpful. I think that offense is really hitting its stride. Even in the game they lost, they put up 600 yards of offense. And I, I just haven't seen Georgia throw the ball when it has to throw the ball yet. And if Georgia gets there, then I'm going to be totally wrong. I'm sure other people will pick Georgia, but I'll, I'll go outside the box to start and go Ohio State.
1: I'll go with uh, uh, Georgia, Oklahoma. Uh, I'm going to go with Michigan State, and I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I think I'm not a believer in Ohio State yet. I need to see them beat a, a good team. I haven't seen that yet this year from them. Uh, Michigan State. Uh, it has been tested. They've surprised me a little bit. And uh, I think that they, they could be a surprise. The, the Big Ten, to me, is wide open. I mean, it's, it, it's chaotic. Anything's. I mean, it's if, if anything could happen there. Uh, I, I do think Cincinnati's going to get in. Obviously, if they lose a game, that's not going to happen. But I think the body of work the last two years is impressive. And I think they deserve a shot. I don't think they'll win it. But I do think Georgia will win it this year. And uh, as long as they can stay healthy and, and keep, their key, uh, keep their key pieces uh, together on defense, I think they'll uh, that, that they're going to have a chance to win it this year. Uh,
5: I like chalk, basically: Ohio State, Oklahoma, uh, Georgia, and Alabama. I don't really know if it's going to be a two-loss Alabama kind of breaking that streak or a one-loss Alabama and a one-loss Georgia getting it at the same time but those are the four best teams in the country in my opinion and given the past in front of them that's how I kind of expect to stack up as sad as that makes me about Cincinnati because I would love to see them in there I would pick Alabama as my national championship champion in that I'm kind of regretting that as I say it because that means probably beating Georgia twice so I'm going to reverse that on air and go with Georgia as my national champion, but I think it'll be one of those two winning the national championship, and we're, we're going to lock it in with Georgia after I went back and forth on live television for about a minute there.
4: Yeah, my feeling is that it's Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. I want to see Oklahoma and Ohio State go against each other because that game would be 52-50. to But that's not the four best teams in the country, I think, when when, when it's all said and done. Alabama should be in there and probably should be in there when this is all said and done. I think Alabama is probably going to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game to get in anyway, and Alabama and Georgia should both be in there, but the playoff committee is going to sit there and go, well, they just lost, so we're not going to put Georgia in, and it's going to be dumb but that's the playoff. It's always dumb.
3: All right, so I thought long and hard on this, and by that I mean I wrote these down while uh, Chris was talking. So I'm going to go Alabama, Georgia, 1-2, it should be noted. Bama, Georgia, 1-2. Cincinnati, number three. Oklahoma, number four. The biggest takeaway from this uh, is there would be no Big Ten team in. After the Big Ten, as recently as last week, had half, I think, of the AP Top Ten, there could be some craziness happen down the stretch here. Like Michigan State... You still got Ohio State with a number of defensive hurdles to clear. And I'm very curious right now about how fat they've gotten recently on some inferior competition. Like as much as I just sat there and even endorsed CJ Stroud and love where they are. Ohio State has the tendency to make teams that don't score a whole lot of points end up scoring on them and have to win shootout style games that should not be shootouts. And it's just weird stuff happens in those sorts of games. So, I don't know. I'm certainly not putting a stamp on this or betting any money on it, but the Big Ten getting left out I think would be a big story at the end of the year. As we wrap this up, any final parting thoughts for this midseason roundtable, knowing you're going to be held to this for the remainder of the year?
4: Remember my quick thing. It's more of a question than a point, and that's just me because I always ask questions. But we've had 14 top 10 teams lose so far through seven weeks of the season. Does that continue down the stretch, or are, are we in a situation now that the top eight teams are almost locked in what do you guys think i want to just know quickly
3: i think think where we have to delineate there is are we talking just top 10 or are we drawing a line between top four and then the rest of that top six
4: because that's why that's why i actually said top eight because i think obviously teams like michigan state penn state others there's going to be a loss there because all those big 10 teams are going against each other but are we going to see another another big loss are we gonna see alabama fall again are we gonna see georgia fall again yeah, I, I think
0: your question is really interesting with the top 10 there. I mean, the, the, the bottom half of the top 10 is going to suffer, I, I think, quite a few more losses this year. Um, Oklahoma State, Michigan State, I think both should have lost over the weekend, to be honest. You know, Oregon, I think, will lose at least once, if not twice more. Penn State, if they don't get their quarterback back, could lose two or three more. Michigan, I think, will lose a couple. So the bottom half. But the top half, I, hell, if Oklahoma doesn't get some of these injured defensive backs back, like they got two weeks to get healthy. They, they've got Kansas and they have somebody else as a cupcake next two weeks. But After that, they have a real, they have a real strong, you know, difficult finish, uh, they could drop some. That get a, the best bet Oklahoma gets
5: year. John Tom, Jim Knowles, and Dave Aranda and back-to-back-to-back to back to back weeks and the regular season. <laughs> and if you're looking for a test for a true freshman quarterback, it is those three coordinators. They will throw everything at Caleb Williams. And that that is not a gimme stretch for Oklahoma by any means at the end of the season.
1: My, my take so far is that we haven't even begun to see the chaos that's fixing to happen in college football. I think what I've noticed this year is home field advantage Matters, and I've been to some of these. I went to the Alabama uh, A&M game, and the A&M crowd made a huge difference. And so, like when you're at home and you've got a good team there, that that can make a huge difference. So, I think there's going to be. I don't think Georgia's going to lose again uh the the next test they'll have will be in the sec championship game against alabama but i think anyone else in that schedule has a chance to lose a game this year georgia Florida. no one's talking about iowa state they kind of fell off early after they lost to iowa i mean they could easily beat oklahoma this year once i mean i don't know if they'll beat them you know i don't know if they'll make it to the big 12 championship game or not but uh i think you know michigan michigan state oklahoma state i mean all these teams are going to lose a game So it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds by the end of the season. I still have Georgia-Florida circled on there because Dan Mullen is crazy and
4: weird, and he dances around fire, burns himself sometimes. He might beat Georgia. That's going to be the closest score Georgia will have until that SEC championship game. And that's going to be a challenge. Split 50-50 crowd in Jacksonville. I'm not saying Florida's going to win. I don't see that happening. But that's going to be a big challenge for Georgia, just even with their defense going against Dan Mullen, just crafting some crazy things on offense.
5: I just want to real quick before we exit off, throw Kenny Pickett some love. I think they're gonna beat Clemson this upcoming weekend and Kenny Pickett's gonna be a Heisman finalist and he's he's a strong dark horse to kind of push himself into that mix. He's twenty to one touchdowns, interceptions this year. They throw the ball a ton and he's a name that's not getting enough love right now. Yeah.
3: First time Clemson's played in Heinz Field. I did not know that. So first time they've been to pit in ACC play. Yeah, I said the same thing, Marcello. Okay, wow. so we are well, out of- joined what,
0: 2013 or 2014 was the first year?
3: Fairly recently. Enough, recently enough to where Clemson hasn't been up there yet. All right, I feel good. I feel good about where we've left off here. Having said that, uh, we are not completely sure everything's going to pan out exactly as we have foretold. So keep it locked on 247sports.com for all the latest. For Bud Elliott, Blake Brockermeyer, Chris Hummer, and Brandon Marcello, I'm Josh Pate signing off. Thanks so much for joining us, guys.